0: Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to look at the future of jiu-jitsu. A listener asked an interesting question a couple of weeks ago. He wants me to talk about what jiu-jitsu will look like in 10 to 15 years. He asks this question after having watched an all-kids grappling card on Flow Grappling. He was blown away by the level of jiu-jitsu that he saw. These kids look like little purple, brown, and black belts. If they stick with it, how good will they be in 10 to 15 years? How will they change jiu-jitsu? This is an interesting question and kind of scary to think about. But for today's argument, I really want to look at and think about kids that started before the age of 8 years old. And until recently, this just never happened at the top level. Almost all of the greats, unless you are part of the Gracie family. If you're a part of the Gracie family, you started doing it right when basically you were born. By the age of two, you were messing around with an older Gracie. But all of the greats, guys like Cyborg, Buchecha, Gordon Ryan, they started in their teenage years. Then you got guys like Cabrinha that started in his early 20s. He started when he was 21. Then you got guys like the two greatest coaches of all time, Eddie Bravo and John Donahue They started after the age of 25. There just were not any examples like some of that we're starting to see today of guys that started before the age of 10 that have made a huge name in jiu-jitsu. So let's take Gordon Ryan, who many think is the greatest grappler on earth today. Some think he's the greatest grappler of all time. He started when he was 14 years old. He walked into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. Really not any experience other than having watched some UFC fights, and then he was kind of fighting his friends in the backyard, from my understanding. And then his mom found him a gym to really get formal training in. Well, let's take a 4-year-old. So the earliest age that you can train at our gym is 4. We have a 4- to 6-year-old class. Let's say this kid sticks with it. By the time he's 14, the age that Gordon started, he will have been doing jiu-jitsu for a decade. How many mat hours will he have accrued over the years? Will he be at 10,000 hours by the time that Gordon started at 14? By the time he's a black belt, he'll be 15 years into the game. He'll be 19, 15 years into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. How good will he be? Now, I think a lot of people think that these kids are just going to take over. That if you did not start training jujitsu when you were that young, then you just don't have a chance, especially in the competitive scene. And I want to say first that I do not think that this is the case. If you just look at the grappling scene right now, we're starting to see a couple of these young phenoms start to enter and compete with the best in the world at the adult level. The Rotolos are the example that I think of. Them, And the uh, Roberto Jimenez. And while they all three have had phenomenal success, I believe the Rutolos, like I was listening to them talk the other day, and they can't even remember, they were so young, they can't even remember their first jiu-jitsu class. Roberto's the same way. His dad is a longtime black belt. His dad got him into it when he was just a very little toddler, and he can't remember his 1st jujitsu class. While these guys are top 10 in the world in their weight divisions, they are not blowing people out of the water. They are not doing things that we have never seen before. They are competitive with some of the older guys. William Tackett and his brothers are also a great example. They started before the age of 10. And I just watch William Tackett, who is 19 years old, a couple months into his black belt, been training longer than I have been, Has more mat hours, I'm sure, than I have. Probably way more mat hours. I just watched his match with Wagner Rocha at Fight to Win this past weekend. And Wagner Rocha started jiu-jitsu, I I know it was, I want to say it was after the age of 15. I think he was like 16, 17 when he started. Well, he is 39 now. And he just beat William Tackett by decision at Fight to Win. And it was a super good competitive match. Both guys had good looks at heel hooks. And Wagner ended up getting the split decision win. But same thing. like I just didn't see anything that was mind-blowing from William Tackett. He just looks like an insanely good black belt. And I think that's what we'll see. You'll just see some of these younger guys, 16, 17, 18 years old guys, they'll be able to compete with the top level. But the big thing with jiu-jitsu is I always think The guys in their 30s, like late 20s, 30s, even all the way up to 40, are going to have the advantage on these kids. I really think maturity matters in jiu-jitsu, like way more than other sports. It is just such a mental battle. There's so much maturity that is needed. Strategy. There's so many different strategies you can bring into a fight. And the strength, I think, like the old man's strength is real as well. I think the older you are, the stronger you are for grappling in particular. You really don't hit your prime. I've heard a lot of guys like Gordon Ryan say and a lot of other world champions say that, no, like you're in your prime. Like when you hit 30, 31, you've got even like 10 years left in your prime. That's when your best grappling is going to happen. And that just seems to be the case. And I think a lot of the guys that started young, they start to burn out of grappling at a younger age, especially grappling competitions. What's gonna need to change in the next 10 to 15 years to really see these kids' potential? Because while the Rutolos and you know the Tackets and Roberto are killing it, they're 20 or younger. They're absolutely killing it. Their best jujitsu is going to be done at 35. Like if they can stick with it another 15 years, then we will get to see the best versions of them, especially if they can stay healthy. And they can stay motivated that entire time. But a lot of times you see these guys, even that started in their early teens, they either move on to MMA or they stop competing altogether. Like I really think of like Hoffa and Guy Mendez. Hoffa Mendez started when he was in his early teens. And by the time he was 19, he was winning his first ADCC. But he stopped competing. He retired at the age of 27. And from my understanding, yes, Hoffa still like trains and teaches regularly, but he doesn't train like he used to. He doesn't train like a competitor. And so we're probably missing the best years. Like Hoffa Mendez, I think most of you guys know, he is my favorite grappler of all time. I think he is the best pound-for-pound grappler of all time, technically especially. But I think we've missed out on his best years, grappling years, because I just think he got burned out. So what needs to change is the money. The notoriety needs to improve. It has to get bigger than wrestling. It has to get to the point where there are models in the stands and there's some clout gained if you win the, you know, you win EBI, man. Like you're getting hit up by models or you're making, you know, $200,000 off sponsorships. And what that will do is first it will keep people interested in competing for a long time. It's tough. To put your body through all of this, especially if you started at the age of eight years old, by the time you're 22, if you're making just a thousand bucks here, five thousand bucks there, you just get burnt out. It's hard to get burnt out of NBA basketball when they're paying you 15 million a year to compete, one million a year, a million a year to compete. It's easy to kind of suck it up, you know, if you are starting to get burned out and find a way around that feeling. But with jiu-jitsu, again, we see a lot of guys quit early or quit competing early. Then they live a more relaxed life. They stop cutting weight, and they just open up a school, and they start living the true jujitsu lifestyle where they're still getting better and learning more about jujitsu, but it's in a much more relaxed way. So I think in 10 to 15 years, we'll be a step further. I think that jiu-jitsu will continue to pass wrestling as a watchable sport, But I still think it'll be a far cry away from the UFC and what guys think of when they think about, hey, I want to be a professional athlete. Like, if you want to be a professional athlete, you think of LeBron James, you think of some of those international soccer players, you think of professional baseball players. You don't think of a jiu jitsu guy that's going and traveling five hours to compete for free or, you know, compete to win $500 at a local. You know, a local, soup for a local super fire or for a local, you know, eight man grappling bracket. And the level of professionalism needs to greatly, greatly increase. And flow grappling is doing a great job and some of these others. I mean, even the PGF is, I think the PGF is, is going to continue to push professional grappling to another level we need more and more shows like that shows that continue to compete against each other to try and get the best talent and provide the best product for the viewers and then as the viewers you know you continue to get more and more viewers casual viewers and you're going to get more and more kids getting thrown into jujitsu and if they fall in love with it man you know you could have the next michael jordan or the next gordon ryan coming from that four to six year old class But what's really tough with jiu-jitsu also is like the mainstream sports are what all their friends are doing. And so it's really tough if your kids' class isn't big to keep kids because they want to play. You know, they're in middle school. They want to be on the basketball team because that's what all their friends are trying out for. They want to be on the volleyball team. They want to be a cheerleader. And so we need jiu-jitsu kids' classes to get bigger and bigger so that they have friends and that's what their friends are doing. But growing up, everybody was out playing street basketball. I was always looking for a pickup game. That's how most of my friends were made. Like, man, we're going to the park today. We're going to play for two hours. Mom, can you drop me off there? I'm in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Mom, can you please just drop me off? It's eight minutes away. Drop me off. Or, hey, somebody's got a goal set up. It's half mile down the road. I'm going to ride my bike over there and we're going to play. And we need those kids doing that as well. But like I said, I don't think even then that 18-year-olds, like 19, like it'll take a special one. Like they're still going to need to be a physical freak. You know, you need the physicality of it. Like you need to be an athlete still to compete at the highest level. So a guy like Nicky Rod, and Nick Rodriguez probably isn't the best example. I could probably, if I really racked my brains, think of somebody that's a better example. But... From all accounts, he's a low-level wrestler. And we saw that when he went against Pat Downey. I mean, Pat Downey abused him in like two minutes. He tech-faulted him in like a minute and a half. He made Nick look like he had never wrestled before. But Nick Rodriguez is an athletic freak, and he brought that into jiu-jitsu, and within a year, he was already competing with guys like Cyborg with some of the top-level dudes. He got second at ADCC to Kynan Duarte in a really, really entertaining match. I mean, honestly, Nick Rodriguez's run this past ADCC was remarkable. It was one of the best runs that I can remember, and it was really fun to watch. And so that side's still going to matter. So even if you got a kid that's four or five and they just weren't gifted with the athletic genes, they're not going to win an ADCC, no matter how technically good they get. Now, they could maybe be the next John Donna here, but they're not going to be at the top of the competitive scene. Now, the real thing that I want to talk about after I've talked about uh, you know the, these past couple of uh, topics related to this is the injuries. And this is what really scares me. As kids start to fall in love with jiu-jitsu and more and more of them are doing and starting under the age of 10, especially some of these kids getting at 4, 5, and 6 years old, how will their lives be affected by the injuries over the years? Because I think... Uh, that jujitsu can be very dangerous if done improperly. And I think a lot of kids, they get forced into situations where, you know, in any sport where they're doing it way too much and it ends up being really, really bad for their growing body. They're just not strong enough. Their tendons are not strong enough for some of the stresses of jujitsu. And so I still argue in my mind, like, I think it's best to start a kid in jujitsu early, you know, like hey 10 11 12 years old but have them do other sports don't have them do it every single day don't have them inverting don't have them you know roll every single day i think it's important and i think still some of the best jiu-jitsu grapplers are going to come uh, when they start at 15 16 17 18 when they're just a little bit stronger they're a little bit more developed their bodies are going to be able to handle the grind of jiu-jitsu a lot better than an eight-year-old a nine-year-old and i've seen some kids some of the people that i know that started jiu-jitsu in those younger age ranges like 8 nine 10 11 they already like uh, are having back problems at 20 19 their lower back is just a wreck and a lot of that is because they get so good as a kid right so imagine you've got that four-year-old well by the time he's 12 he's been training eight years he's just gonna absolutely dominate kids classes it's gonna be really tough to give him work get him work in a kids class and so what happens is is they get forced as they're young teens coming up until they're 16 they're forced to train and roll with the adults and since they're so good the adults kind of got to bring it to them you know three year in blue and purple belt, it's got to bring it to this kid that's also a blue belt. So when you've got these blue belts rolling together, we got this 125 pound year old, you know, 15 year old, 145 pound, 15 year old blue belt going against this 185 pound, 30 year old. Well, physically, no matter how good that kid is, he's going to take a beating just because of the physicality of the older grappler. And I think, you know, these kids, they started, a lot of their games are inversion-based. And, you know, they're playing a lot of crazy guards, De La Hiva's, Baron Barambolos. They're inverting on their necks. They've been doing that for a decade. And now they're going against adults that are trying to smash them. And it's amazing training for the kid. And if they can get through that grind, then it could be super valuable. But a lot of them don't make it through that. And so just like with the epidemic of Tommy John surgeries. So the Tommy John is super famous. It became famous by the pitcher Tommy John, who had the first successful Tommy John surgery to his UCL. So UCL is in your elbow. It's super common in overhead sports like volleyball, uh, I think tennis as well, but particularly in baseball, pitchers. And kids have just been As baseball became like America's pastime, and then people started to see like in the 80s and 90s, some of these baseball players make millions of dollars. Parents started forcing their kids, and the kids wanted to too. I shouldn't say forcing, but year-round baseball became a thing, especially in the 2000s. Um, Year-round baseball, these travel teams, they play all year round. Well, some of these kid pitchers were going out and they were throwing three games in a weekend to try and win their little state championship or try and win this little invitational and they're 12 years old. And the number of Tommy John surgeries being performed by just kids under the age of 16, it just went up. I mean, it went through the roof. It blew doctors' minds. How many more kids they were seeing for elbow issues. And the whole thing was because they weren't getting a break. They were forcing themselves. Like they were just doing too much work. Their bodies weren't recovering. They maybe had a, you know, they were performing something wrong in their their pitching technique. And they were blowing their arms out. So, yeah, you had these 16-year-old people like, man, I, I, all the time Sports Illustrated was coming out with who's the next big thing. And you'd see these kids you know, 16 years old throws a 91 mile per hour fastball. Well, he doesn't even make it into college because his coach and his team is relying on him so much that he's overworked and he's blowing his arm out by the time. Again, he doesn't even make it into uh, to make a college team or, or the MLB draft. Doesn't even get close. And that's what kind of scares me with jujitsu you got a coach that is forcing or a parent that is forcing their kid to do all of these training sessions, to do all these competitions. They're doing 10 matches in a day. They're getting their arm tweaked here in an arm bar. You're, they're getting stacked there, and they're doing this for 10-plus years. So before they're even eligible for a blue belt, how uh, I should really think, like, what will their bodies look like? Because a lot of these kids are training like professionals. I mean, I know kids that are being homeschooled, and they're just doing jujitsu. That's happening in North Alabama, so I can only imagine what's happening in some of these, like California, Florida, New York places, where these parents have just become jujitsu crazy, and their their kids' focus is all jujitsu all the time. Like school, eat, sleep, jujitsu. I think we're gonna see injuries really start to take like a center stage in the youth movement uh you know in in the youth grappling scene so if your kid or if a kid can navigate that if he's got a good coach then he could go super far but that's another big issue is just how many good brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches are there out there I mean, other than a guy like John Donahue and I guess Eddie Bravo now, but even Eddie, like he doesn't teach a kid's class. Like most of the top level guys, they don't teach kids classes. Very few, you know, even John here, like he doesn't teach kids. So finding a guy that's not just like a blue or purple belt to really put your kid through a smart training session to really have their best interest at heart, I think can be really difficult to find. So parents, I warn you. About that, you know, let your kid take some time off every now and again from jujitsu. Like, so if you've got a kid and they're under the age of 16, they can't drive yet, it's not a bad thing for them to take a couple of weeks off or to try soccer or to try something else. So, those are my thoughts on the future of kids like these kids that are starting at a young age. Let me know if you guys agree or disagree. I just really don't think that we're going to see like a kid uh, like the Rutolos, they just, until they do something like Gordon Ryan, until I see a kid like that, just come on the scene at 18, 19 and just absolutely blow everybody out of the water. um, I'm going to be real skeptical that, you know, the best grapplers aren't going to be 30, 31, 32-year-olds. And I think you still, even all these kids starting, I still think guys that start when they are 15, 16, even as late as twenty, twenty-one can still become ADCC world champions. So if you started later in life and you're worried about all of these kids, I'm telling you, you will still have a place in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You can still make it to the world level, and you can definitely make it as a world-class coach. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Peace.